Hey there, fantastic listeners. It's time to dive into another thrilling episode of the World News Weekly Podcast. I'm Michael Enomcha, your host, and I'm ready to bring you into the latest stories from across the world. Get ready for an awesome lineup as we explore the global stage. In our first story, in Zimbabwe, President Emerson Nagagwa, also known as the Crocodile, has secured the second term of office with 52.6% of the vote, according to the Electoral Commission. However, the opposition alleges widespread vote rigging and claims victory as well. Observers note that the election falls short of democratic standards. Despite Mnagawa's initial promise of change, Zimbabwe still grapples with high inflation, poverty, and human rights concerns. The election had its controversies with concerns about opposition rallies, biased medias, and voter intimidation. Let's have a listen to South African Broadcasting Corporation's story on Zimbabwe's election. President Emerson Mnangagwa says he's happy that he won the elections after he was declared uh, so by the Zimbabwe Electoral uh, Commission last night. Uh, there were 11 presidential candidates on the on the ballot, uh, but uh, the main contenders are Wamnangagwa and the Citizens Coalition for Change leader Nelson Chamisa. The opposition has rejected the outcome of Wednesday's elections. Mnangagwa says that there are processes to follow for those who dispute the results. He also chastised uh, the SADC and European Union election observer missions. I can assure you that I did not conduct the elections. I competed with them in this race to win the elections. And I'm happy that I've won the race. I think those who feel the race was not run properly should know where to go to complain. I'm so happy that the race was run peacefully, transparently, and fairly, broad daylight. And I'm happy that there was huge uh, uh, turnout by our people. I'm sure that very few uh, people in this country will say that the elections were marred by any uh, violence because there was no violence at all. And I think this is what we should, as Zimbabweans, cherish and continue to maintain. This is now shows how mature our democracy is. It is possible that even in a family, not all children become uh, uh, obedient to the parents. The parents will do their best to teach culture to their children, but some kids will continue to do otherwise. But they still remain kids of the family. Yes, I'm aware that some observer missions went beyond their call of duty and began interrogating legislation passed by our parliament. It is my view that every single sovereign country passes their legislation through their legislature. And Zimbabwe is not a, an exception. And the legislature is composed of the people of this country. And it is through that um, arm of the state where we regulate what we want as a country. I don't think it is in the uh, mandate of election observers to interrogate institutions of a sovereign government, the judiciary, 
the legislature and the governance, I believe that their mandate is to observe the transparency, uh, peacefulness, and the fairness of the conduct of elections, which I'm happy to say no one questions that. Moving on, the country profile of Zimbabwe is more of history, but let's look at the Republic of Zimbabwe. The capital city of Zimbabwe is called Harare, with an area of 390,757 square kilometers. The population of Zimbabwe is equivalent to 15.17 million people. Major languages in Zimbabwe include Chimbare, English, Kalanga, Khoisan, Nambia, Ndau, Debere, Shangani, Shona, Thotho, Tonga, Swana, Venda, Kosa, and Chewa. The life expectancy of Zimbabwe is 59 years for men and 62 years for women. Moving on, in Kenya, a major power outage has led to chaos and disruptions, including at the Nairobi's main airport, the Jomo Kenyatta International Airport, where passengers were left stranded in the dark for hours. As a result, the head of Kenya's airport authority, Alex Gitari, has been fired by the transport minister, Kipchumba Mukamen. The power outage started on Friday and affected homes, businesses, and even some national parks, causing frustrations among Kenyans and businessmen. The power company did not provide a clear explanation for the nationwide blackout, and this incident clearly sheds the light on the challenges faced by Kenya and East Africa's economy and infrastructure. In Sudan, the Paramilitary Rapid Support Forces, RSF, to a long-term ceasefire with the army and presented the Sudan reborn vision for the country's future. This move could potentially lead to a direct talks between the conflicting parties, the RSF and the army, that have been engaged in fighting for over 20 weeks. This has led to humanitarian crisis and accusation of ethnic cleansing. Both sides have blamed each other for initiating the conflict, stemming from tensions over integ integrating their troops into a single force during the transition to democracy. RISF's Sudan Reborn Plan envisioned federal, multicultural, democratic elections, and single army. Meanwhile, regional mediators contemplate that the role of the soldiers in a transitional government, while the United States urges a transfer of power to a civilian transitional government. In our last story, on 27th of August, Yavgon Prigozhin, the chief of Wagner, a Russian mercenary group, has been confirmed dead in a tragic plane crash. The investigative committee reveals that the genetic analysis has positively identified all the 10, including Prigozhin, matching their names with those on the flight's passenger list. The crash occurred northwest of Moscow on 23rd of August, claiming lives of everyone on board. While Kremlin denies any involvement, the investigation is still going on. This incident follows the Wagner's mutiny led by Prigozhin just two months ago, which caused tensions between him and the Russian armed forces. The crash has sparked speculation about full play, but Russian officials dismiss such claims. Okay, yeah, Russia says it has proof that Yevgeny Rokozhin is dead two months after the Wagner boss led that failed mutiny against Moscow. Russian investigators say that after forensic testing, it can confirm Prigozhin was among 10 people on board the ill-fated flight last week. But Russia hasn't said what may have caused the private jet to suddenly fall out of the sky not long after takeoff northwest of Moscow. The Kremlin is denying it has anything to do with this crash, calling such claims an absolute lie. 
Meanwhile, Ukraine says its troops are making progress as they try to push south, confirming it liberated the village of Robotin, which may open the way for further advances. And there you have it, a roundup of some of the top stories making waves around the world. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the World News Weekly Podcast. We are excited to have you back and bringing you diverse perspectives on global events. As always, stay informed, stay curious, stay engaged, and stay listening in to the World News Weekly Podcast. Until next week, my name is Mike Inomcha. Peace and luck.